Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Weekend Gardening. Yeah, I have to put on just a little bit of red today. This is to remind Lance, our producer, that if he hasn't already gotten everything together for Miss Carrie for Valentine's Day, you're running late. <laughs> you need to get your stuff together, sir. And that's to all of you. Men and women, if you have a Valentine, this is the time to do something for them. In fact, why not participate in what may be the oldest tradition in this particular part of the celebratory cycle, and that is indeed late 18th century, for those of you who've forgotten, that's like 1780 or something, was when the first mechanical valentines is which, what they called printed card valentines. Before that, you had to write them yourself. <laughs> so, since that time, no, we can all go with roses are red, violet, anyway. Whatever you're doing, give yourself the opportunity to tell somebody that you really care about that you really care about them valentines is a good day for that the reason that we start little kids in school exchanging valentines however is not so that they can only give valentines to their quote friends unquote you give a valentine to everybody in the class or else you don't participate in fact if you're not willing to do that i don't think you should be able to give a valentine to anybody but that's just me you know, I want at least when you're seven or eight, I want everybody to be my Valentine. <laughs> and that was my question to you: Do they still do the Valentines in schools now? It depends. Yeah, I remember some schools do, some don't. All elementary school, it was great. I mean, you actually you either like you said, you either handmade your Valentine's yep. cards and handed them out, or you had like a big sheet that were perforated. That's you know, right. And you'd pop them That's apart right. and hand them, and everybody got one. Yep. And uh, it, it was yep. awesome. I love Valentine's Day. It was one of my favorite school holidays that you actually had to go to school. Those of us who are in the horticulture world do understand that a lot of places would not be profitable without Valentine's Day in our world. Um, you think of the rose growers, but they're not the only ones. We we sell happily a lot of orchids and a whole lot of other plants as gifts, and those are the things that people actually can keep for, from year to year. There are, though, good reasons to go back to good old-fashioned cut roses. I'm not ever going to put that down. You know me. I want to use everything at least twice. So when the petals start to fall off, keep them, and then you can have another celebration when you strew the rose petals somewhere. Come on now. You know you want to do that. Everybody always wants to do that, but they just, oh, I shouldn't, you know. But you'll go to a resort for a wedding and pay them $1,000 to do that for the bride and groom. (laughs) Think about it. There's nothing better, you know, than... The bed of roses. Exactly. You throw the petals out. There's a reason why we yeah. talk about that. And they're there so soft is. and satin-like. The, the petals are amazing. Now, that so. brings us, of course, to February, which is rose pruning time here in the Deep South. And indeed, 
I don't know about you, but I'm happy to have roses to prune. Three out of my four Clotilde Superiors have leafed out and are alive. The fourth one, I think, maybe not so much. But on the other hand, you know, that's that's not a bad percentage for a bed that looked entirely dead as recently as two weeks ago. Now, we talk about mid-February for pruning roses. That is the roses of every sort except once-blooming, climbing roses, once-blooming roses that, you know, like, like, for example, Lady Banks is only going to bloom the one time in the spring. If you cut her now, she's not going to bloom. That's why you wait until after that flowering period to cut that one back. But the others that we expect to bloom on this year's growth, which is the majority of our roses, whether it's tea roses or shrub roses or drift roses or most anything else, February, mid-February is the time to prune them, if nothing more than to shape. But, for example, if you grow the the traditional older, some of them 17th century, some of them 18th and 19th, some of those older roses, we in the Deep South cut them back about at least half, maybe a third off, at least maybe half in in the case of one that has really grown a lot because we, we need all that new growth to put on flowers for this year. And, in fact, some of them are, will have been damaged. You're going to still want to do the scratch test. I anticipate that as soon as there are clear skies, most everyone is out lately. I certainly have been out this week a couple of times scratching things to see whether or not they're green at the tips. Most of them are. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Most of you have seen pictures of my Japanese maple that I got from the one and only brilliant Timothy Burris, who is, of course, one of the people that sits in for me from time to time because he knows so much smarts in, in the horticulture world. He had uh, quite. He did quite a few of these. He did quite a few maples, and that's where I got orangeola from. Orangeola is in a gigantic container in my courtyard and now sweeps the ground. It has grown up and down, and it literally lays out three or four feet in a beautiful, beautiful mass. Well, A lot of it's frozen, but not all. And I take that as a very good sign because I'm going to, as soon as it puts out any leaf at all, it does have green along the stems, just not at the tips. So I've tested that, and now when I get a leaf or two, I will go and take everything else off, take the stuff off that's frozen out at the ends. I don't know when that's going to be, but I can see that I have scratched the stem, so I know that that it's alive in there. And I can also see that the buds are beginning to swell in the same way that my blueberry buds are beginning to swell. So there's going to be some action here before too long. And the good news about that is that then I can prune it and it won't sweep the ground anymore because that's the part I have to cut off or most of the extensions that have kind of taken over that space. You'll be doing that. We're all interested in azaleas and sweet olives and many, 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 many more plants. But we can talk about all of those, any of those, on the Super Talk call line, triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven, And, of course, the C Spire text line is always open to you when I'm here, 601-879-4395. I, uh, I got to tell you, there's a couple of events today. If you are able to get there, you will be so glad you did. At Crosby Arboretum, they're having their native plant sale today in in Picayune. What a beautiful bunch of plants. Another beautiful bunch of plants at Clinton Community Nature Center in Clinton. Both of those sales are going on today, and I 
Trust me, if I was buying native plants and shrubs, that's where I would be. Actually, I'd be there if I was out traveling around anyway because it's nice people and great plants. So go, go say hello for Mama when you get there. Now, let's talk about transplanting those shrubs a little bit because you're going to buy strawberry shrub or you might buy um Sweet shrub, you know, there's so many of them. The the native azaleas are always very popular at this time of year at these sales. But whether or not you know this, shrub transplanting actually takes more water than you think it does. You believe it has been watering the soil. The, the the sky has been watering the soil pretty regularly. In my part of the world, close by my house. 10 inches since January the 1st. So we are well ahead of the water bank. And I'm still going to tell you that when you go to plant a shrub, be sure when you dig that hole out, you're digging it a little deeper and a little wider than the plant is growing, whatever container the plant's growing in. But put your hand in there and make sure that that's not dry. You'll be amazed how much water actually gets absorbed by the leaves and the other brush and sometimes even just splashes away or never makes it through the trees to that part of the soil. So give yourself that opportunity to check for that. So I want you to water the plant before you're going to transplant it so that its roots are not dried and don't tear too hard. I also want you to look into the hole that you have just dug and amended. Be sure that that soil is nice, not wet, but moist and has good tilth. And then, of course, after you plant the shrub, whether you're planting it high because you're planting azaleas or whether you're planting it at ground level because it's just about anything else, that's the point where you're going to want to make sure that you water again. And if that plant sinks as you water it that first time, you got to dig it up. Refit, redo the soil and make it repositioned so that it doesn't do that. But water is really important in the transplant process. I'm not going to tell you that more shrubs and trees die from lack of water or too much water or any of that because there are a lot of different threats. The biggest threat actually to a young shrub or a young tree is your mechanical equipment. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're if you're lawn mowing or string trimming, you're more likely to get it than if then and then and that's always an error. And then you call me and I have to put on my forensic horticulture hat and try and explain that it might grow back, but it might not. Robert's in Ripley this morning. Welcome into the show, Robert. Tell me what's going on in your garden. Yeah, I have a a, a north slope uh, it's a pretty pretty good sized piece of land uh, that is uh, uh, it's about a forty five degree angle, and I it's it's right close to uh, a busy road, so we're kind of a little bit hesitant to plant um, I don't know vegetables and stuff that may be. You, you would probably have to terrace it a little bit to plant almost anything at a forty-five degree angle. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> I understand. I, I was wondering if if it might be good uh, a good place for blueberries. It's a northern exposure. Does it get full sun? Well, I'm going to look at that. Okay. Uh, this afternoon and see. I think so. Okay. If, if that is the case, and, and, and let me give you one more thing. If you can haul enough water to this site just in an emergency, because what happens to our blueberries is that it's summer drought, it really slows down the next year's fruit. So if, if it's yeah. in a place where you could at least get some water to it a time or two in the summer and it's a full sun site, I have no problems with it. Okay. What's, a, what, what's your best 
uh, what's your favorite blueberry? Ooh, that depends on where I am. Um, I I don't know what I would recommend for Ripley. Let me think about that. Keep listening, and then I'll I'll pop up a list for you here in a little bit. I'm I'm really okay. a big fan of Tiff Blue, but it's that's so old. There's undoubtedly something better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me let me scratch my head a little bit and see if I can come up with something for you. All right. Thank you much. Good to hear from you today. Appreciate your call. That is a good question, though. We always want to try and get, now, I'll grant you, the varieties that you're able to buy in terms of blueberries may be limited to what's at the co-op or what's at your your near your local garden center, okay, which is fine because they're going to have selected those for your area. You do have to be careful in shopping at big box stores, much as I love them. You, you do need to know your variety names there to be sure that you're getting something that will grow in your area. But I also recommend that if you, for instance, go and the, the, your garden center or your co-op Offer, or even a site somewhere that you're going to buy from offers you four or five different varieties. Look and see when they make, because you would like to have some in early season, some in mid-season, and some in late season. And there are different different blueberries that do different seasons because it's all within about six weeks, okay? It's not like we're going to extend the harvest till October. But they some start earlier and some are later, and that goes directly to how well they can survive things like winter weather, freezes, cold. If they're an early bloomer, they're more likely to be damaged some years than if they're not. So that's my blueberry one. <laughs> that's my blueberry one. There are tons of different blueberries. Yes, there I, are. I wouldn't even know where to yes, start. Well, I can tell you where to start. You start with your zone, and you start with the recommendations from, first of all, this, the state cooperative extension service in your area. And that's really the place to begin. But, yes, there's there's at least – there's almost as many blueberry varieties as there are corn varieties. I mean, or anything, you know, because blueberries have gotten to be such a big business. It is, in fact, true. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, John. Great party. That's fun. Fun, fun, fun. Um, Grammy party. He's talking about, and yes, Mr. Muscle White was nominated again, but he still hasn't won. He's going to win, though. He's going to win in, in, in his lifetime, I promise, because he's that great. Um, but I, I wasn't even going to say till later on, but John has prompted me now to tell you how wonderful it is that Bonnie Raitt won Song of the Year, and if you haven't heard the song, go listen. So I'll stop there, otherwise I'll start crying. <laughs> it's that good of a song. <laughs> Apparently, it got that reaction from everybody, from everybody. That's great. We do love to listen. We love to hear people talk about things. We love to hear music. We love to hear so many different opportunities for us to learn something. Well, I was taught early on that if you really want to learn something, you need to process it on several different levels. Um, I've probably told you before that if you if you handwrite something, if you're a writer and you handwrite, then you need to also type because they look differently. Things look differently on the screen than they do in your hand in a printed page. So when you're reading your own writing especially, it's important to get these different perspectives. But 
It's also very, very important, and this is from University in Dresden, neuroscientists are working on a greater, giving us greater understanding about how we learn and that old expression about tell me something, I'll remember it for a moment, put it in my hands, I'll remember it forever, turns out to be provably true. It's not just your second grade teacher that told you that you needed to write everything down or that you needed to, you know, pick the book up and hold it in your hand, all that sort of thing. Um, I love this, that what they did was to review everybody's studies. And when they put it all together over these, this interdisciplinary group of things, all the way from education, obviously, but neuroscience and psychology and, and even computer modeling, what they have revealed, what have they revealed to us is that this particular, the, the pieces of your brain that go into learning are actually better together. And they don't use the word synergy, but I will. If you learn something and you also write it down and you, you hear it from somebody, you write it down, and then you also in turn spout it back out, which might be a test or a conversation or whatever, you're more likely to, to learn it. That multimodal learning is actually the thing that works the best. Um, I believe that's probably why I can still I, – I, I can't do the square roots in my head, but I can still multiply in my head. <laughs> I had to learn all that square root stuff. But you had, you know, you had helps for that. When it came down to learning how to multiply stuff, you literally had to take three oranges, three oranges, three oranges, and figure out what three times three was. You know what I mean? It was a physical thing as well as one that you did in your mind. That's why I know that stuff. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad that you turned your radio on today. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening. If you are building a new home or remodeling an older home, Amazing Propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces, and even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. That's MSPropane.com to learn more. You know that nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. Are customers able to find you online? With the power of Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. In 1920, John Albritton Sr. opened Albritton's Jewelry in downtown Jackson. With an expertise in watchmaking from his time with the Illinois Central Railroad, John not only sold but serviced pocket and dress watches for his fellow Mississippians. 
Auburn's has maintained that tradition to this day, with two full-time watchmakers on staff that are capable of repairing all major watch brands. Auburn's also offers a vast collection of fine watches built to fit any lifestyle, from dress styles in gold and stainless steel to sporty selections in carbon fiber. All Britons has the watch for you. Come see why, since 1920, the people of Mississippi have chosen All Britons as their fine watch store. Quality and value go hand in hand at All Britons. All Britons Jewelers. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Dream Home AC Systems. (laughs) Are you feeling it? (sighs) Dream. The new degree of comfort. In the heart of Mississippi, there's a place built on tradition and memories. Come make yours at the Hideaway at Reed's Estate. A nature retreat nestled amongst the pines is the Hideaway, located near Brookhaven, boasts 400 beautiful acres to explore, curated venues, and lodging to host you and your guests. The Hideaway is perfect for corporate events, family gatherings, weddings, and romantic getaways. Book your event with us today at The Hideaway at ReedsHideaway.com. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet Boom Products, Oil Gator, Oil Dry Spill Kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net. Well, I got a little garden in my backyard, a little hoeing, a little mowing, but the work ain't hard. It's the cutest little place that you ever did see. I've been working in the garden till I turn green. Butterflies, birds, and bees, and heck. I got a compost pile that's up to my neck. I plant strawberries, corn, okra, and beans. I've been working in the garden till I turn green. You know, there's something about that tune. Um, I was listening to a broadcast of my friend Walter Reeves, the, the Georgia Gardener, is an archive piece. And he, he has always used this piece of music from, it's a friend of ours over in Georgia. And it just tickles me every time. I People have asked me over the years, what is that green man business even about? And the answer is, it's part of the mythology of the woods, if you will. It, if you've ever... Um, if you've if you've ever watched 
any of the cartoon versions where the trees dance and they're supposed to scare you, the green man belongs in there, popping right out from behind the tree. It's a it's a it's a spirit. It's a mythical um, it's a mythical bit of. But there are so many people that live that way and live in such close contact with nature that, well, sometimes you expect to see little vines and tendrils popping out of their hair. Maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's a wonderful long bit of lore and uh, fun stuff in the in the green world. And yeah, I know, Guy Fox. Okay, I get all that. But that's a whole other thing. I wanted to just quickly address... Um, the question about blueberries in in Ripley, for example, and as I thought, it is indeed true, you are the crossing point between, 7B is the growing zone where he is, by the way, and that is really the place where rabbit eye blueberries from the further south meet the high bush blueberries for the further north, okay, because high bush blueberries grow all the way up Missouri, you know, and further north than that. But the the rabbit eyes don't. The rabbit eyes are are down are the ones that we can grow safely all the way through the south. Okay, but as he is on that precipice with a northern exposure, I'm going to say search out the high bush varieties because they are more cold tolerant. In fact, within the within that group, there are some that are even more cold tolerant than others. But there also are some that have bigger berries. So you have to kind of pick your choice. And, again, you're going to want to get a variety of varieties just because you're going to want different times of bearing and and really different shapes of fruit, even different, you know, bigger and smaller. Um, I know that I have seen Berkeley here, maybe in a Memphis, maybe somewhere in Memphis was the place that I first ran into Berkeley, and another one called Darrow. Those are both varieties for 7B that I, I remember being, they're not brand new, it's my point, so they're well proven. But whatever you're able to get in that group, just be sure that you're looking at the ones that are colder tolerant than my rabbit eyes. Okay? Okay. That should be good. Questions in the Facebook uh, group, Facebook Garden Mama group today. They don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway because they do ask good questions. But if you don't send a picture with your question that is something that you want me to ask, want me to answer, I'm going to answer it here because I don't have a picture and you don't have a picture either. So here's the answer. Limelight hydrangeas can be pruned in the winter. Yes. The question was, I haven't ever pruned the limelight, and it's now hitting the tree, you know, above it, or it's out of its space. Yes, but they are the one that we prune in the winter because they are paniculata. They're hydrangea paniculata. The reason that we get so into all these names is because the plants do behave differently. For example, the big blue hydrangeas that have round heads that we are accustomed to seeing in the late spring garden, early summer garden, are called French hydrangeas, or they're called mop heads, but they are, in fact, hydrangea macrophylla. They're named for their big leaf, macrophylla, big leaf. Okay, so they are different. We're not going to prune them in the winter. I took the old flowers off the other day because they were just so sad from the freeze. (laughs) Usually I like the way they look even now, but no, not so much. But I didn't prune down the stems, and I haven't even looked to see if I have dead canes in there yet. They're just a little bit more fragile than other things. But as a rule right now, I am scratching the shrubs, seeing if there's green underneath, 
and then taking off some of the dead part if it's absolutely dead. I'm not doing heavy pruning until the plants begin to grow. Okay, it's going to be a little different this year, different advice than, than I give most years just because we've had such a different patch. There's a person in the Facebook group, the Garden Mama Facebook group, that has uh, has had rosette disease. If you don't know what rosette disease in your roses is, you're lucky because you've not had it. Rosette disease, you go out one day and all of the new growth looks oddly red. It doesn't look like healthy, brand new, bright red growth that you would see. It looks oddly red. It has turned red. And it doesn't proceed to grow appropriately. And in fact, Generally speaking, it is fatal. So she, what she wanted to do was if there no was if there's something to treat the soil with before she plants again. There's really not, but I would suggest that if you're going to replant roses there, one of the issues that we often hear about with rosette is that there's a pH problem. So after you build the bed, test your soil or or as you're going through making it, because it could be that. It could be that the thing is staying too wet. It could be that the pH is wrong. It could just be that those varieties, that particular rose you brought in, happen to have one with rosette in it. Okay, so it's no, there's no way to tell you for sure, but you can certainly take the steps that will, generally speaking, prevent you from having most of the problems, and then hopefully you won't get the rosette either. Okay, that's a tough one. Yeah, I was just talking with someone this week about. All sorts of asparagus ferns, the foxtail ferns, the springer eyes, all the ones that generally are a little bit hardy, kind of browned out. I am not going to do anything to them right now. I want you to just leave them. I know they're awful. If you have to trim the top off because you can't stand it, that's all right. But don't cut them all the way down to their crown right now. Let that crown recover and give it the insulation of a little bit of plant material on top of it, which can catch you know, rain, snow, ice, sleet, whatever might fall in the next several weeks. Let that stay there. And then as you see new growth come up from the bottom, or if you don't, you'll know that it's dead. But if you do, if you're going to, you'll see it by about the first part of March, I think. So that's a good one. I am, (laughs) I am really surprised at the growth and lack of it in my my various and sundry plants that I did not do anything for. I thought, well, these pansies might be okay. They're probably going to be all right. I have some pansies that are blooming. I have some other pansies that are drop dead, okay? So my point is it's not going to be the same necessarily across all of our gardens and sometimes not even within our own gardens. I'm not sure but that the second bunch of pansies that died may not have died because of all the water. They were not in a container. The ones that are alive and flowering are in a container with a sasanqua that doesn't look so great, but that's, it's a sad garden. Parts of it are very sad. If you are one of my patrons, I appreciate that, my Patreon folks. Um, I did send out a video this week just to kind of show you what's going on, and I'm, I'm, I admit it. It it doesn't look as bad as it did a few weeks ago because some things have greened up, but it's still pretty gray brown out there. And I under I appreciate it. I understand if yours is too. When forsythia is done blooming, I saw some blooming uh, here in central Mississippi, so I know it either has or is blooming farther north and farther south and north actually. But um, that's the time to prune forsythia is after it flowers. 
if you want to think about forsythia as one of those plants that hardly needs bloom need, needs pruning, just look at the blooms. When they when it has the appropriate number of stiff stems, every bloom is on a stem right next to another bloom. They are tight, they are packed, and if yours are wimpy and you're in full sun, then yes, you need to thin out some of those canes and do a little bit of pruning on the top of the whole thing after it finishes blooming, okay? That's one of the... the quince is the same way. And no, I don't know if my quince is alive. There's, 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 one, there's one part of it that looks like it's alive. The other part doesn't look so great. But flowering quince and flowering forsythia and, and pussy willows and the other things that, that really put on a show in January are so much fun. And yet we have to be sure that we get to their pruning so they can come back and do it again next year. Well, yes, for, yeah, forsythia being in the olive family, how does that work? You know, I was reading that, you know, briefly. It said it's part of the olive family. So, yeah. I mean, that would be – but it, does the forsythia put any fruit off or is it just that beautiful yellow? No, it, the, the, if you looked at olive flowers on a tree, they look like that. They're, okay. they're little tiny yeah, white. little bitty tight, tiny. Yeah, little tiny white trumpets just okay. like that. But the, the genetics and the things that cause a plant to be related to another plant oftentimes don't have anything to do – I've been studying the asparagus family this week, and believe me, everything in the world is in the asparagus family besides asparagus. So I, I understand the question, but it, it, I'm sure there's forsythias that that do make fruit in in the wild, but we have bred the ones that we use in our garden so that they don't, and they wouldn't make olives anyway. They would make a similar, they'd make a droop the same way that an olive does, but they wouldn't make that same. <laughs> Although. I always have to say this. Who was the first person that had so many olives that they put them into a barrel and left them there long enough for them to become olives? Because the fruit on an olive tree is nasty. It is hard. It is not even crunchy. It's just this rock. And you know there's a seed in there because that's why the tree produces the thing. But good grief. Who decided to do that? And when does that seed become a pit? How long does it have to be in in the brine before we stop calling it a seed? Because <laughs> that's what's in the center of the olive, of course. The material around it is just the protective packaging. In some cases, those protective packaging around seeds are there entirely to keep anything from eating it. And I think that's the case in the olive because it's so nasty and bitter. But other cases, it's to get something else to bite it off and take it and eat it so that then they can deposit it somewhere so that it can be propagated. But in the case of olives, I really who decided who was the who who watched the first aquatic animal open up an oyster and say, gee, I think I'll try that. <laughs> you know? Or steaming, you know, or I'm steam, glad they did. Yeah, or steaming, you know, uh, crab or anything. Until I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, uh, how did they? How did that how out? did anybody decide to do that? And there, some there, somewhere there's an anthropologist dis- discussing this right now, saying, "I can't believe they don't know this." Well, we don't. So, you can write us a book and tell us fun stuff. Oh, thanks again to everybody who well, is now part of the Lakeland Lunch Bunch. We will be doing it again in March, at probably toward the end of March, and when we get around annual time. But what fun! Y'all are a good, great bunch of people, and of course, it's a, a always fun to talk about plants. <laughs> you know? Can't help but enjoy that. Wow, that's uh, that's lovely. <laughs> They're in your house. Well, it, if it'll sting you, it's it's a ladybird beetle. It, there, there's two different kinds. There's there's the Asian beetle, of course, that that 
the, the ladybug ladybug that we get, we understand. But I would actually have to go and look at the pictures of there's, there's some beautiful panels, by the way. You could search this up yourself and and look at the difference between these two things, the la- the ladybugs and the ladybird beetles. N- not that they're not the same critter. They're not the same critter, but they're in the same group. It's just that the ones that come in your house are the ones that are actually heat-seeking, and they also will come up and try and, and bite you. They don't bite very hard, but the, the, the Asian beetles are to be vacuumed up and put outside. <laughs> I've had a uh, infestation for two years at deer camp, and about any time the weather changes just a little warmer, you know, they come out in the thousands, and they will yeah. they'll, they'll bite you gently. Yeah. Uh, you'll be sleeping on the couch, and all of a sudden you get one of them you on you, like, what is this? Yeah. But is there any method to, you know, to finding the nest, or maybe, uh, or what is attracting them other than heat? Well, I- you probably don't want to know this, but I, I have known people that actually drilled into their walls and discovered that they had ladybird beetles pouring out, that they, were the, they had gotten up through the bottom of the house and, and into that nice, comfy place between the insulation and the wall. So you don't want to hear that. <laughs> but Sounds they, like a project there. Well, and what they'll tell you is that the only way to really deal with this is other than putting out a bunch of sprays and stuff that you don't want to put because you don't actually want to hurt them. You just want them to go away from where you are is the the sweep method and and the vacuum method and all that. And then to make sure that they're not um, grassy weeds particularly, but that that the things growing around the base of your house are not too hospitable for them. Because they will, they'll get there and hide, and then come in your house when you get, when they get a chance. But if you're if it's a little bit clearer, like my house is off the ground, and so I try, don't always make it, but I try to keep it a little bit cleaner around the edges. And I haven't had slugs or ladybird beetles in a few years, which is probably a very good thing. You're lucky. <laughs> or just although, very good. Yeah. Although I do have four cats and two dogs at my house, so they're. They don't let too much in that they're not interested in chasing. The kitten has just learned how to chase lizards. Oh, dear. And I like the lizards. Anyway, stepping away for just a moment, taking that sad thought out of my head, come back with more after this. once-in-a-lifetime concert in the Super Talk Suite at the stadium. We've got them, and we're giving them away. It's Morgan Wallen with special guest Mississippi's own Hardy. Keep listening for more details on how you can win VIP suite seats from Morgan Wallen, live at Old Miss. Another fun way to win from Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Why are we on this planet? 
Did God create us just to work the nine-to-five grind and crash for the weekend? No. Our Creator wants to use us, you and me, to give back to others. You can be a part of God's bringing restoration to a fallen world by donating or volunteering, or both, at Gateway Rescue Mission right here in Jackson. Check us out at gatewaymission.org. With the current market and economic volatility and all the chaos in Washington, if you're feeling anxious about your investments, tune in to Supertalk Jackson 97.3 on Sundays from 830 to 930 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Get that new vehicle you've been waiting for at Ridgeland Mitsubishi during our New Year's celebration sales event. We resolved to save you money on our entire selection and to give you the best dealer experience, period. 2023 Mitsubishi Outlanders are in stock with more on the way. Drive on home today starting at just $27,595. Get power, safety features, and bold style plus an industry-leading 10-year warranty at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. We offer more selection, more savings, and more affordable monthly payments every single day, period. Remember, we have the best credit team around and 100% credit approvals our number one goal. So come say big as we resolve to give you the best deals possible during our New Year's celebration sales event at Ridgeland Mitsubishi, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. 1860 East County Line Road. Call 896-9600 today or visit RidgelandMitsubishi.com. Remember, you're approved at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. MSRP based on Outlander ES2 Road Drive. Price, terms, and availability may vary. Important restrictions will apply to retailers or limited warranty and more details. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N info.com. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Well, hey, you. Thank you for tuning in to Weekend Gardening today. Appreciate you very, very much. I have uh, briefly looked at the weather. I don't know about at your house, but at my house, today would be a really good day. It'd be just laying around the shack, you know, <laughs> waiting for the mail because, whoo, I got to tell you, one of the most fun times I have ever had since I got to Mississippi 100 years ago is the Dixie National Rodeo. Love it, love it, love it going to be a cold parade today. <laughs> Woo. 
It's chilly out there, but it's so much fun. It's just a great, great, great event. There's always more to do. There's plant sales. There's rodeos. There's there's always something to do um, in our our world that can keep us kind of busy, and yet people manage to um, give me their attention from time to time, particularly on a Saturday morning. I thank you very, very much. Good question. <laughs> I'm getting some funny stuff today. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are great. I, John, I, I'm just, I'm in shock. A 10-foot, 1-inch long sturgeon being caught. The guy said he needed to go to physical therapy after he got it in the boat. Took him up more than an hour. <laughs> Yikes. Now, of course, they let it swim because you're not going to take something like that. But um, the Columbia River. But I love that. That's just amazing. That's some interesting, that's, some, that's a real fish story there. <laughs> Nick is in North Mississippi, and what's the best time of year to cut Nandinas back? Mine got out of hand growing last year. You know, Nandinas are almost indestructible, but I would like for you to literally wait until just as you think they're going to start putting on new growth because we we do have winter conditions that can take a little bite out of their top and if that happens you certainly don't want to be, have prune, you don't want to have to prune them and then prune them again because the top gets nipped so give yourself the chance to wait until they're just about to start growing again and then yes you can thin canes you can cut them down whatever you need to do they're wonderful plants i um was looking at one of mine that's that has been in my garden since the days of uh my dog skipped back in the 90s, and the thing is now about six feet tall, and I do need to prune it, but I just don't want to. It has a nice spot, blocks the view of too many, other, you know, some things I might not want to see all the time. And I was thinking just yesterday, should I prune this? Should I take some of these out? And part of the reason that we prune Nandinas and other things that are in cane form like that is so that they will begin to grow from the bottom some more, that we can stimulate some new canes, because those canes aren't going to last forever. You know, um, and, and, and if we continue to replenish them, then we have a better chance of keeping the Nandina in that spot in the garden as we want it to be. On the At the same token, that's why we thin things like blueberries. I mean, not blueberries, like blackberries that grow to canes. We, we cut those canes as well. OK, but not until after we pick the fruit. So it's two different times of year to do that particular task. I am. Uh, I have to, I'm just, my questions about this are just perhaps too many. How come the plants that I don't like seem to be growing just fine, thank you very much, this winter, and some of the ones that I'm really very devoted to are not showing much signs of life? Is this a philosophic question? Well, it's certainly not rhetoric because you can walk out in my yard and see both of these things, and I'll bet it's the same way at your place. I have had several people ask me, what about my lawn? Because it's obvious that the azaleas are damaged. You know, they're, they're looking kind of, kind of tough. But if they've got, again, if you do your, your fingernail test, thumbnail test, tiny little knife, whatever you've got, scratch just a little bit of the bark off. If it's green underneath, that thing is still alive. Leave it alone for right this minute, but be happy. Rejoice. On the other hand, if that top of that azalea or the top of that shrub is not alive, use your finger or your little knife and go all the way down until you find where it is alive. And I still don't want you to prune all the way off, but you can certainly take the top part off. You can take, you don't want to cut down into the green, but you can take some of that dead stuff off because it is 
starting to look kind of rough out there. I realized I was in, more interested in admiring the amount of rain that had fallen into my wheelbarrow than I was at the plants around it because they look so sad. I think that I have lost the jasmine that was it, it, it was in a big container, but it was also way up on a trellis going up to the roof. And I think it just got blasted cold. I don't think it's going to. It's another case where if it comes back, it's going to come back from the bottom. And I'm not interested in looking at an empty container with a trellis stuck in it for the next two years while the vine grows back. So I'll probably leave it, but I'm going to come in with cypress vine or something else, morning glories, you know, some other thing I can plant from seed to kind of help that other plant get have its space and go ahead and grow but still have something to look at. We're going to make a lot of decisions like that this year. There's going to be a lot of things that we just say, well, those are going to become fence posts. <laughs> <laughs> and other ones, we're going to say, well, that'll grow back. Betty's in Com- in Columbia. Oh, hello. Welcome in. Ooh, camellias. Talk to me about the show. Yes, ma'am. I did not think, you know, I, I almost thought they would have canceled it, but there was rows and rows of blooms. Oh, how beautiful. beautiful. Did, was this the Gulf Coast show? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, it's 69 years that's wow. been going on. And um, I was just going to say, too, the nursery lady told me that she sold over 100 plants. I bet she did. That's Mary Mizell. And and if you if you have the opportunity to buy your camellias from Mary Mizell, do it. (laughs) Her, Her plants are beautiful. And I know at a show like that. People were really eager. Um, every everybody's got one a favorite one, but she'll help you pick out three more favorites. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And the and the Brookhaven one is going to be held the first weekend in March. That's right. It is. I have just gotten that information, and that's one of the things that I'm so excited about that there's enough late varieties to have a show in the early part of March. I'm really happy about that. Yes, Such fun. What what's well, your I favorite What's your favorite variety? I bought one that's called Tomorrow Park Hill. It looks like a rose. Oh, how nice. That's wonderful. And, uh, but I'm enjoying your show. So Thank you very you much. I'm Thank glad you. that you called. Thanks, Betty. Say hi to everybody in Columbia for me. I love that. I haven't been to Columbia since the pandemic. Need to get back down there and say hello to everybody. It's a beautiful town. I oh, mean, yeah. There's some hidden gems in Mississippi, Brookhaven being one of those yep. beautiful little yep, towns. Yep. Um, it, when the farmer's market opens in Brookhaven, go. <laughs> Wherever you are, find a reason to go because they have a good time. <laughs> it's really delightful. Oh, my goodness. Yes, indeed. Phone calls, texts. What a great day we're having around here in the radio garden. I haven't called it the radio garden in a while. I, I'm going to tell you why. I have suddenly discovered that it... I know that it's a term that's used by everybody that does garden radio. Is that, oh, look, we're in the radio garden. Well, yeah. We also, most all of us use, uh, at one time or another, the old um, Ozzy and Harriet Rick, anyway, garden party. When Rick Nelson went to the garden party. And uh, people, we've used all those songs over the years. I probably need to bring some of those back. But... I looked at a piece of paper. This is this was not here. I was this is pre pre this world, but I realized that I had written it as a show prep in 1995 in August, and it was all about what to do 
if there's too much water. I thought, you know, I should pull that out again. (laughs) We're having a lot of water this year, too. All right, now, go get Aunt Ethel. Tell her to bring some coffee, and y'all come right back because we got a whole lot more weekend gardening. Welcome back. We're talking to Bob and his wife, Jenny, about doghouse living. Well, it's okay. Ours is a two-story doghouse, and on the bright side, it's a great alternative for today's high-priced homes. Really? Try having your feet hang out all winter. Well, my daddy always said, put your best foot forward. Folks, stay out of the doghouse by calling 811-BEFORE-YOU-DIG. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. I'm Caleb Saylors, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. The Mississippi Department of Public Safety is currently training a new class of officers at the Law Enforcement Training Academy. Commissioner Sean Tindall says they're focused on making sure newly trained officers have a full grasp on the law and the rights of citizens. We we have to teach them more about the law, the Constitution. We want them prepared that when they encounter folks on the road, they, they understand not only their job, but the rights of the individuals that they're, they're you know, patrolling. And so uh, we spend a lot more time on the academic side of things. Uh, but we also, you know, when it comes to our troopers, we want them physically fit and strong and, and able to handle themselves because often they're out on the road by themselves. Uh, backup is 20, 30 minutes away at best. And, and so we're, 
we're, we're very cognizant of making sure that they have the proper training to self-defense techniques. And Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Please never use gas appliances for purposes which they are not intended. A gas oven should never be used for heating purposes and never store flammable materials inside propane cylinders. The Mississippi Propane Gas Association takes pride in protecting your home or business. We ensure that our products are delivered in compliance with the highest industry safety standards. Plus, we offer free gas checks for our customers. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. This Sunday's Super Bowl will feature nine Mississippians competing in the biggest stage in American athletics. Chad Brown, former All-Pro NFL linebacker, says former Mississippi State standout Chris Jones will be the most underrated player in the mix. Uh, he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because he plays on the same team with Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey. So uh, Chris Jones is one of the most dominant interior defensive linemen in the game who also has the ability to slide outside in certain situations. Brown argues that Jones may very well be the deciding factor in who wins between the Eagles and the Chiefs. So if he can have a good game and affect Jalen Hurts by pushing that pocket back, not even getting sacked, but by constantly pushing the pocket back and forcing Jalen Hurts to reset his feet, uh, he can play a major factor in the Chiefs' success. Stay up to date with the latest news in Mississippi by subscribing to our free newsletter at supertalk.fm. I'm Caleb Sailors. From Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Basketball action today, Super Bowl on Sunday. Basketball action today finds the Ole Miss Rebels taking on South Carolina, who they beat for their first win of the season earlier a couple of weeks ago. They'll have a noon tip-off in the Pavilion in Oxford, 1130 the airtime, the Ole Miss Basketball Network. Then Mississippi State is at Arkansas this afternoon for 5 o'clock tip-off there, 430 airtime on the MSU Basketball Network. Other action, Kentucky will be at Georgia. Alabama will be at Auburn. Vanderbilt, who upset Tennessee earlier this week, is at Florida. Missouri is at Tennessee. And Texas A&M is at LSU. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles take on Louisiana Monroe in the Regreen Coliseum with a 2.30 tip-off this afternoon in Hattiesburg. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money. But they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. 
You know that nowadays more people are cutting the cord, ditching traditional cable and satellite television, and instead just streaming everything. With Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's over-the-top advertising, you can get your business seen on streaming TV. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted team can show you how your ad dollars can go further to reach a more targeted audience. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. Super Bowl 57 will kick off at 5.30 Sunday afternoon in Arizona. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Eagles will be the designated home team in the game. The Eagles are looking for their second win in the Super Bowl in six years, while the Chiefs are looking to win their second championship since 2019. It's the matchup between Andy Reid's old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the current team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's the first Super Bowl pitting brothers against each other. Travis and Jason Kelsey will go against each other in opposite uniforms. The last meeting between these two teams and back in 2021 the Chiefs won that one 42-30 Patrick Mahomes had five touchdown passes Jalen Hurts in what was just his eighth career start threw for 387 yards and two touchdowns so that means this one could shape up to be the same type 42-30 but I think the Eagles will win and that usually means the Chiefs will win but we'll see I'm Dixon Williams this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi With your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. I seldom laugh coming in, but I had to start giggling. I, I'm, you know that I'm the world's number one fan of Dixon Williams, our sports person here that that does the wonderful literally sports one and two tells you he's got so much to say they can't let him just have one segment he has to have two i mean that's just the way it goes he's always got a lot to tell us but to say that he picks the eagles and therefore <laughs> kansas city will probably win it's kind of how we all feel let's face it we we, we want to pick who we think is going to win and at the same time well maybe that'll work maybe it won't we'll you got to cover your bases <laughs> you know right. my dad's the world's worst he's a lot like dixon we, he and dixon who i work for a lot you know he is so fun to work with but um he has that mindset, well, if I pick this, then it's probably going to be that. Yep. And yep. then when you're working the controls, you know, you really don't care too much. You just want to be on time and you're, not yeah, have to You have adjust. a lot so to do besides yeah. worry about who's winning. <laughs> exactly. That's true. There's lots of work there. So you just have to kind of go, okay, what time is it? Where am I? I know that radio time is not the, the time, but, but I do think the rest of the world could run a little closer to real time, <laughs> to radio time, it would be nice. Yeah, it, hey, we're on time here. We're you know, on we're time. We're on time. <laughs> Y'all ought to come on. This week's Garden Mama newsletter, which, of course, you can get information about at Garden Mama, well, at Mama on Air, I should say, um, at yahoo.com or, or of course, Linktree slash Garden Mama. But um, the, the, the going back to talking about what's going to be the top of the news I had so many requests when people subscribed. They said, you know, I love you. I'm signing back on for this year. But I really need you to go back to telling me what the top story is because they go and look it up first, apparently, which is fine. But in this particular case, who knew there were going to be such surprises in sea turtle genes? What? That's right. We don't think about we, we understand that when when things change, things change. 
and those that can adapt to whatever the change is are the ones that succeed and the ones that don't adapt, whether it's attitudes or animals or whatever it is, in this particular case it's sea turtles, they're not going to make it. So the, the rapidly changing world where the turtles live changed dramatically 100 million years ago. They used to live on the land. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They don't anymore. Well, how come? They eventually, it took a while. It took a while, you know, those, those uh, what are they, walking catfish? They, they don't just walk right up on the, the shore immediately. They have to kind of go along. And the, the, the thing has to evolve to where it can do that. But the genetic foundations that allowed them to make the change from land to water have never been explored. So this particular bit of work going on University of Massachusetts Amherst is really important. We need to understand how the mechanisms of a creature work, but we'd also kind of like to know what the possibilities are. So in this particular case published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, this is an international team, 48 researchers on UMass, as well as the Leibniz Institute for Zoo and Wildlife Research, and, of all things, the Vertebrate Genome Project. Well, that makes sense. They put together this incredible genetic map of two species, the green and the leatherback turtles. More surprises in terms of the way their genetics do and don't comport with each other. Trying to understand all of this, um, how, how all these changes came to be, is the work of biologists with a whole lot of devotion because it takes a long time, a lot of research. For example, the first draft of the green sea turtle genome doesn't matter what I'm talking about. The first draft of anything that has 100,000 pieces of genetic information, approximately, because there might be more or less. Good grief. That, that We've known this part since 2013. But, of course, you can't, you can't just say, well, now we know that, we know that. You still have to figure out what the point of it is and how it works. So the surprises are happening in the sea turtle world. It's a genetic issue that is fascinating stuff. Because it does give us an opportunity to understand how breathing changes, how locomotion changes, and how, frankly, the, the pressures of the climate, the pressures of the environment pushed them to go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> I have to find out about that. I don't know about that. I will I'll tell David I'll look it up. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'll figure it out. Um, we're back to the how many... How, how many bees are, are native in Mississippi? Is it nine? And this may this may have been some bees. I don't know. We'll, we'll worry about that in a little bit. Um, I hope that if you've got a question that you'd like me to worry about with you, you'll give me a call, 888-808-8637, the Super Talk call line, and, of course, the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, somebody asked me this week, they said they've been watching me at supertalk.tv. Hello, nice to see you this morning. And they want to know why I fiddle with my ring. I fiddle with my ring so that my voice doesn't fiddle. I think everybody has stuff that they do. Um, if you ever if you've ever sat next to anyone in in an, in, in a class or at a conference or anywhere where there's paper and paper and pencil involved, um, you'll find that there are some people who just doodle. They go up one side and around and back down the other. 
and there are others of us who do our rings. But everybody does something, and that that's an, an interesting one, I think. Talk about interesting. Good grief. Um, I, if you're if you are not already there, by all means, get yourself to either one of the native plant sales going on in Mississippi today. One is in Clinton, the Clinton Community Nature Center. The other is at Crosby Arboretum in Picayune. Smart people, great plants. Okay, just go. Now, talking about the, I'm going to have to look up the B question, so I'm going to write that one down so I don't forget to look that up. If anybody knows the answer to what the tiny bee-looking things that are swarming right now would be, somebody needs to call and tell me. Meanwhile, something we can see a little bit more easily, of course, are bird strikes on windows. It's terrible. When you when there's a spate of them, it, it's birds can be raining from high-rise buildings. I mean, it's the the people that I know who have been witness to these events are quite frankly the ones that immediately go out and start trying to put up some something to keep the birds from running into stuff or to be stopping them. I've even seen nets across whole canyons of skyscrapers because they're trying to keep the birds from flying in between the buildings because that's where the reflectivity is intense and they smack into the buildings. And, of course, a lot of times they don't survive. Guess what? We have learned something. We have learned that the decals that they put on the windows that are intended for keeping the birds from striking them, are they're only effective if the decals are on the outside of the window. Because otherwise it looks, either it gets lost in the reflection or it looks like something inside that they could get to. All right? So the, the idea is that, now here's the question. The, the patterns put on the inside do not reduce collision because they're not visible, or if they are visible, they're just curious looking, and they're, that may be more attractive. On the outside, though, it's pretty effective. But how do you put bird decals on a 30-story building? How do you, Where do we begin? Are the window washers supposed to do this? I mean, I don't know exactly how this all happens, but they're working on it. The bird strikes happen when, of course, the bird flying near the window can't perceive that it's glass and flies right into it. Sadly, it it, it's, it can be mitigated in several different ways, but the decals seem to be the most popular. So that's pretty interesting stuff. Let's talk to Homer. What's going on, sir? Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Hello, hey, Homer. Doing? doing great. How are you? <laughs> well, it gives me meaning to a bird eyes view, don't it? Uh, I'm telling you. Uh, the, I've got some pecan trees, and I just want to know when is a when is the optimum time to actually prune these things? Are they young trees or old trees? Oh, no, they're, they're old. They probably, these trees are probably in there. I guess they've probably been out there for 30 years. Of, of, no, uh, that's 45 years. I was going to say time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> well, um, the guy who I bought the property from, he, he planted them. So mm-hmm. I've been here right at 30 years. So Well, then they were grown then. So it, probably 45 is a real good guess. If they don't need pruning, there isn't any reason to prune pecan trees. If their growth is not um, 
for instance, if if you had said, well, they planted them about five years ago, and they're not they're not opening up. They're they're clo- their the branches are all too close to the center of the tree. That would be a reason to prune them because you're trying to prune to shape the canopy. But unless there's dead branches in that canopy, or unless there's branches that are crisscrossing and rubbing on each other, or there's two next to each other, you know, that are that are brushing up against each other, there's really not any reason to prune it for the purpose of making more pecans. That goes directly to the the soil, the the test that you might run on the soil and the fertilizer that you might use. Okay. Okay. I, I look keep at you, it, keep you I'm out of that tall it. keep you off that tall ladder. <laughs> well, I've got some limbs out there on about four. It's about eighteen trees, twenty trees. I've got some branches out there that they were not pruned early on and they're low growth and stick way out mm-hmm. and it makes the whole tree look odd it also makes it harder to clean around them doesn't it <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, you can take those out. You, you can take branches like that out that are in the way that's not a problem and you yeah. can do you should do it now in the winter okay and what i'm gonna do this this year uh miss neil i'm I've broken up a spot to plant some grains. I'm going out on the limb. I mean, it's weather next week. I'm just probably going to hoop them, but it's just a small patch. I'm, I'm going to just go out there on the limb and plant some of We're going to have some weather that's going to germinate seeds next week. You're exactly right. Homer, you you have my heart today. You are my Valentine. Thank you for doing that. Because guess what? I'm going to be planting some too, and I wasn't as confident as you, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> well, it's a crapshoot, and, and gardening—that's the thing. It yeah. helps you spiritually because if it does not work, you just reboot. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's always another time to plant. And you, you're exactly right. All right, now, if you have to hoop them, you should. And everybody doesn't know what he's talking about. We're talking about when we plant something and we know it's a little iffy, but on the other hand, we know that it could grow and do beautifully. That's why we keep those hoops around so that we can cover things up when it does get bad. <laughs> and it may not. It may, this may, you know, we just don't know. But that's the perfect yeah. approach to it. Thank you for calling, Homer. Good to hear from you today. All right, thank you. Thank okay. you. Appreciate it. That's great. Yeah, don't have to don't have to prune pecans once they're mature if they have been pruned. And as you said, these were not. So they've got these branches at the base, which really just get in the way of everything else. You can't get under there to pick up the pecans. You can't go mow around them. You can't. You know, there's that's a whole problem in itself. And yes, those kind of things can be removed. We we generally think about pruning in the winter to do that sort of thing, to shape, to form, and then a little bit later on we prune to stimulate growth. So since we don't want to stimulate these, we're going to go ahead and do that pruning a little earlier. Um, okay, what what in the world is Mike doing in Houston today? He said he was on, he started, <laughs> He wanted to know if, A, it was a, a good time to start planting your red creeper, and, two, uh, if he wanted to uh, plant it, would it be best to be able to, Put it into the ground, or did he said plant? You know, plant it on something where it's going to you know creep and crawl uh, yeah. against a fence. Or on I a fence don't, or. I don't honestly know the answer to that. I, I, I would, if you have a lot of seeds, I would say plant some now and save some because it. I can't tell you what the weather's going to do. First of all, I'm always more in favor of giving something like that a, something to at least lean on. But if there's not enough sunlight for it next to that fence, or if it 
I don't know how many fences y'all have been around lately that have got water at the base of them, no matter what else is going on in the property. If it's like that, no, you don't want to put them there. So that, that would be my answer on that one. Maybe, maybe not. I am, however, I, as Homer said, it's all a gamble. I am going to tell you that if you have the desire to plant seeds, save some of them. Because even if they come up, you might have a spotty germination in some places and you need to pop in a few more seeds. But you certainly want, in case of complete crop failure, you want to go ahead and have some more to plant. We're coming up on Valentine's Day. That is, in fact, the time that if your sweet pea flowers that you planted in Thanksgiving week froze, which they probably did in most parts of the area, then you, you, you're going to want to go ahead and plant again this is the same point where we plant potatoes and we plant sweet peas. And we can also plant, as Homer's talking about, the, the beginnings of the spring greens if we can cover them up when they need to be covered up. Absolutely good ideas. Um, and I was really happy to see that so many places are having seed potatoes this year. I think we've gotten everybody's attention that it is time to think about growing a little bit at least of your food. And potatoes, quite frankly, are one of the easiest things to grow. So why not? Um, this is February's it in the South. Well, you know how much I love the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Oh, my goodness. They have done the backyard bird counts for years. They have kept up with who's migrating where and what's going here and how many birds there are on any you know any given year in any given area. Well, they've gotten together with those computer folks again. We do love our IT guys, don't we? And gals. That was just a reference. That was not a that was not a sexist comment. That was a reference. This new one is going to tell us, we hope, where a migratory bird is going to go next. Now, because most migratory birds, of course, have a swath or a path, but whether they're going to eat on the north side or the west side or whether they're going to be resting and nesting next to this stream or that one really does depend on a lot of different factors. And by being able to look at those factors and decide about them, the folks at Cornell are having a much better opportunity to give us these models that would be so fascinating. Um, If you've ever watched birds fly overhead, I'll bet you you have said to yourself, where are they going? Where are they going to sleep? What are they going to eat? Are they going to go nest where they're going? Which way are they headed? What are they doing? And in fact, this is called bird flow. You're going to see a whole lot about this because this new predictive model is, yes, indeed, both machine learning, records already out here, but citizen scientists. This is the newest project to try and understand and, quite frankly, figure out where the birds are going, and then that in turn gives the AI the ability to predict. That in turn gives all of us out here who are interested in these things the opportunity to know which areas might need a little more attention in making it more suitable, more habitable for the birds that are going to come through there. How about that? Pretty smart stuff. Cornell, I'm telling you, their eBird Status and Trends project just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Step away for just a moment with me. I'm going to go warm up my coffee. I hope you will, too, because this is Weekend Gardening.
people of Mississippi. It's time you get the benefits you deserve. If you're eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid, there's a local health plan just for you. Shared Health Dual Plus, a dual eligible special needs plan with more benefits, like a $2,500 yearly allowance for over-the-counter items and groceries, a $600 yearly allowance for utility bills, a $5,000 yearly allowance for dental care, and shared rewards. All access on one easy-to-use card. Plus more. Call 855-413-8769, TTY711, or visit SharedHealthMS.com. Hey, Dr. Portrayal. Shared Health Dual Plus is an HMO DSNP plan with a Medicare contract and a contract with the Mississippi Division of Medicaid. Enrollment in Shared Health Dual Plus depends on contract renewal. Shared Health Mississippi, Inc. does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, age, or disability in its health programs and activities. Benefit limits and exclusions may apply. Check the plan's evidence of coverage or details or give us a call. Pinnacle Motors, quality vehicles, affordable prices, and now edge sheds. 8x12 utilities to 16x40 cabins and garages available. Set to be wired, painted, and finished out if need be. Setup and delivery is free and financing is available. Your new go-to for edge sheds is Pinnacle Motors. Off Highway 471, the corner of Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon. Online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Your next garage, utility, building, or cabin is at Pinnacle Motors. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, Valentine's is coming quick. Call Green Oak, your local florist right now. Call 601-956-5017. I'm serious. You don't want to wake up on the 14th and think, man, I should have ordered those flowers. You know I'm right. Green Oak is your premier local florist with hundreds of custom-made arrangements, balloons, and bears. Let our designers get you exactly what you need. Don't wait. Call now, 601-956-5017, or come by Green Oak Florist on Old Canton Road in Jackson next to Palm Bridges Park or our original location on Highland County Parkway at the township. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Each week, I meet with three people who graduated from our addiction recovery program. These graduates are now gainfully employed and are taking online college courses. Three people who used to be in prison or on drugs, and now they're going to college. How cool is that? One of the reasons God put you on this earth is to make a difference in someone else's life. You can be a part of that at Gateway Rescue Mission. Check us out at gatewaymission.org. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thick of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N info.com. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet boom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. 
Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net. Talking about new shrubs and trees, native plants and trees, this and that and the other thing that we are all interested in getting into the ground here in the next couple of weeks or so. I need to let you know that uh, wet soil is not your friend in this endeavor. If you have got a trowel or a shovel and you poke it into the soil and the next thing you know it's stuck, you lift that thing out and it's Sometimes clay will even be slick, but whatever the problem is, if the soil is too wet, it's not going to be hospitable for the plants that you're trying to put in. It also is not a particularly good time to work that soil if you're trying to prepare it. For example, if you need better drainage or you're trying to amend it with something to make it a little little better for that plant. So... Give yourself the opportunity to check the drainage before you get going. If you know you want to plant something in the next period of time, go ahead and buy the plant. And by all means, take good care of it. But let your soil be dry enough to plant it, and it will be in the next period of time. It's not going to be terrible. Still doesn't keep you from needing to water the plant after you plant it. That's that's the other piece of that. Let's see. Mike's in Hattiesburg on the text line. You can be there, too, 601-879-4395. This is a really good – let's do the easy one first. When is the best time to plant English peas now? And bush snap beans, about three weeks. Okay, you need to – the bush snap beans need a, a warmer soil than the English peas do. English peas, sugar snap peas, sweet peas for flowers, all those things can go in now. Same time we're planting our potatoes. Okay, let's see. But he wants to grow boysenberries, and he wants to know where to get plants. The answer is I don't know where to get plants, except that they are available at all of the main line. Um, If you're not finding them locally, he says he's not finding them locally. If you don't find something like that locally, there are always main line nurseries online that can give you that same plant. So you say to yourself, what's a boysenberry, and why would I want to grow it? Well, they're 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 a combination of things, but but mostly it's blackberry and raspberry, and so therefore they are a they tend to be a cool climate fruit because raspberries we know, I know we grow raspberries as far south as the Gulf Coast, but let's face it, they don't make as many berries as they make in Memphis or somewhere farther north because it's raspberries. Even Winona, you know, what, what, raspberries are just a little they need a little bit cooler environment to really knock it all out of the park. The blackberries though, not so much. They can they can handle any of our conditions. So the boysenberries are kind of hit and miss for whether or not they're going to make it. This is one of those cases where my suggestion would be to buy three plants even though they're the same variety because one might make it, one might not, and you need one to keep to propagate. So you're going to keep one in a container, you're going to put one where you think it will grow and one where you hope it will grow. Where are they going to grow? 
They need to be kept moist all the time. This is this is not a plant that likes wet feet necessarily, but drought is harder on it. So a little bit lower area or an area that you're going to be able to water more often is going to be better for something like boysenberries. It's also true, frankly, that in Hattiesburg, the late afternoon sun, the, the heat from that is probably going to be tough on them. What we read about in terms of growing boysenberries is that you need a, a short-term variety because you want to get them picked before the weather gets too hot anyway. But you still don't want the plants to be out in weather that could do them in because they don't like really, really hot weather. So that's that's everything I know about <laughs> that's everything I know about boysenberries, except that they're delicious. So I didn't I really didn't even know they were a thing. They're they're the they're a natural hybrid um, that has been formed by other a bunch of other plants. In other words, people have worked on them for ages because they found just like any other plant that becomes a thing, we were growing these and we were growing those, and somewhere along the way they crossed, and somebody tasted it and went, oh, I like this better than the others. So then they propagated that to see whether it could be maintained as stable, and once it is, then you're you're in good shape for it. I learned about boysenberries off of Seinfeld. I had no idea what they were, <laughs> and they were joking about all the berries and threw boysenberry out, and I'm like, oh, what, what is that? Simon and Garfunkel, Citizens for Boysenberry Jam fans. That's the first time I had ever even heard of that. And I still don't. I mean, you don't run into boysenberries all the time, but they're delicious. They absolutely are. That's probably because they're mostly grown in New Zealand. But we do grow them in California and even in Oregon, I think, maybe Washington, but certainly in Oregon. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting fruit. They're they're not. They're not going to be. They're not going to give the. Comp- they're not going to give blueberries any competition in this part of the world. I'll just. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, let's see. Wanda wants to know when to fertilize and prune blueberries. I'm going to fertilize the blueberries as soon as I see growth on them in the springtime. Um, not too heavily, of course, because we want them to. They're going to start to bloom. They're going to start to put out leaves, and then they're going to make fruit. So we're just trying to encourage them. We're not trying to. We're not trying to give them um, all the power in the world, but we want them to have enough to be able to do what they need to do. So about a half dose of a recommended rate, if you have established blueberries, is going to be fine in the springtime. After they finish fruiting, because you're trying to get them to really grow for the next year, then you're going to come back with a, a nice good round of fertilizer at that point. And that's also when you're going to prune them, is after they bloom. It's real important um, to understand. We we will see, but just like we're seeing with pear trees and even plum trees in some places, we're we're seeing flowers, but we're also seeing kind of naked stems sticking out above the flowers. That part is gone, so you can clip that off. It's not going to leaf out. If it isn't going to leaf out, we don't need it. I hope that's helpful. When we talk about our plants and the way that they're doing what they do, oh, my goodness, we have got so many things to consider I did not know. I didn't even know anybody was researching this. I, I have I have heard forever that photosynthesis depends in any given plant not only on being in the light, but also the darkness. In other words, that it's it. it that's why you don't. Let me start again. That's why when you go to get cabbages in Alaska, 
at the end of the growing season because there has been so much daylight. You know, they they don't it doesn't go to, doesn't go dark there because of the way the world is shaped. They they actually have cabbages that are bigger around than me because they it's just com- and it's really common. All of their produce grows like that because it has such many 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 more hours of light. Those are annual things. That's you can push that like that and do that that way, but. The way that that works and why it works, we've never actually understood. So the Max Planck Institute folks, we just we love them. Jesselcroft folks, in this case, have been trying to figure this out. They they manipulated the light that these plants were growing in to the extent that they could actually mimic light and shadow, the way that light would fall across a planting or an area, a group of plants over a day or over a week or probably over a year, too. But that photosynthesis, of course, they get energy from sunlight, release oxygen, produce carbohydrates, and that's what they grow or grow from, okay? Well, if we can understand where the triggers are, you can see that it would be really wonderful to be able, let's talk boysenberries. If we could find a boysenberry that didn't need quite as much light to do the photosynthesis to produce the fruit, then we would be able to grow it where it wasn't so hot and didn't have all that full sun in the afternoon. So it's a matter of adapting a plant that's already growing or something else in terms of helping that plant be able to live somewhere that it couldn't before. Just like you and I can't stand out in the sun for too long without getting sunburn, the same is true of plants. So in particular, the, the difference between only a little bit of light, real pale, faint conditions, and intense light is actually a bigger shock to the plants in the same way that it would be to us in, in, in our eyes and how they would react to it. We have tried for years to get and to understand what every single plant needs in terms of light conditions because that is so powerful in terms of changing their growth habits. But if we can actually understand, as they are doing now, what's going on internally, we may not have to maintain the external as much as just pick the right plant. Pretty fun stuff. Um, just in case you were wondering what they tested this on, it's our good old friend Arabidopsis thaliana. That's the same thing that everybody – one of the reasons why we use that plant for so many works, so many choices, so many tests is because it reacts like almost every other plant does, but also because it reacts quickly and also because it's consistent, and we can therefore apply the information across plant groups. It makes a lot of sense. Chris is in Boonville and uh, wants to, okay, wants to plant, um, that's funny stuff, I'm reading your other text. <laughs> Chris wants to plant flowering dogwood trees. This is a real good question. Same thing goes for azaleas. Both of these plants need to be planted what is called high. And that doesn't have anything to do with what you're smoking in his previous text. But anyway, um, it it has to do with the the difference between the root ball and the soil it's planting in. Dogwoods and azaleas need better drainage than we can provide for them in most cases. Okay? So what we're trying to do is amend the soil so that it has a nice, healthy base. We still don't want to turn it into something that just sheds water overnight, it, I mean, over the minutes. We, we need it to be able to percolate and maintain a nice atmosphere for the roots. But because the plants need such good drainage, we're going to amend the area, then we're going to dig out about half the depth of that dogwood or azalea's root ball, rough up the roots like we would do with anything else, 
plant it in the hole with half of its root ball sticking out the top, it'll look funny only for a moment because then you're going to take all that stuff that you prepared and you have dug up around it and you're going to raise it up on there and put then put mulch around the base of it. The prettiest dogwoods I have ever seen, and this is the absolutely truth, this was out on, on, on Raymond Road in Jackson, the prettiest ones I've, I've seen in a very long time, I should say, um, were out in on Raymond Road in front of the old Brent's Nursery. They had a compost box where they tossed things when the landscape crew would come in at the end of the day, and they had had to remove dogwoods from someplace, and they just dropped them in there. So there was literally only the dirt and only the leaves that happened to fall in there. They were beautiful. They grew in the end of that container and big old you know box thing out on the side of the nursery and were just gorgeous because nobody tried to get them to grow like other trees. <laughs> The other prettiest ones I ever saw were actually growing in full sun in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because they were up in a bed where they could drain, and it all, they also had sprinklers under them. Now, they had a lot of flowers. They had a lot of flowers. Goodness gracious. Oh, let's see. What about planting an elderberry, and um, how big do they usually get? Well, elderberry is one of those things that once you plant it, you're going to have it, or once you bring one from someplace else, you're going to have it. Mm, depends on how much sunlight they get, how tall they get. The ones that I have are in the shade, but pretty much in the shade. They get light, but they're not not in full sun. And even they get to be five or six feet tall, so with plenty of berries on them. So if you're looking to go into the uh, elderberry business, remember that. Always remember the the Sussex, the Sussexes, Harry and Meghan, their wedding cake. Every layer was doused with elderberry juice, and that's what's considered to be the thing in in really fancy cake world. Um, Pour you some Saint Germain on it. That stuff's delicious. Well, I was going to say it's you might you may know that flavor because of having if you've ever had anybody with a full bar, they probably had some Saint Germain, and it's one of those things that it's easier actually to make yourself. <laughs> It's to find or to use. But anyway, (laughs) Chris is asking, should I add any potting soil or just the dirt? No, you don't want to add potting soil, but you want to add soil amendments. If your soil does not drain well, you're going to want to amend with ground bark, compost, um, even some manures, because what you're trying to do is get something that's going to be there for a long time. Potting mix, if you put it in the hole, the plant's going to try to grow just in that because it's too well drained and they'll actually make roots that grow in a circle and in a few years you'll say why did my dogwood not grow and you'll take it out and there's my forensic horticulture the roots are just growing in a circle because the soil was too well prepared so you're going to prepare an area that's wider and deeper than the container fill it back in by with about half but if the if you have average soil you know average soil that people around here run into Use use ground bark, use compost, um, even use some. If if you happen to have it, I'm never going to tell people to go buy peat moss because it's it's too expensive. But give yourself the opportunity to use whatever organic matters you have to amend that soil to improve its drainage. Okay, okay, I like that idea. It's a good one, and even if it is mine, <laughs> don't forget we've got some things going on, folks. There's a Super Bowl tomorrow. Did you know that? Did you know there's nine players from Mississippi? What do you think we'd concentrate on here? My dad was a football coach. I'm not putting it down by any means. Marching that band? Come on now. It's going to be fun. 
But who's the only big star that's going to be in two commercials? Hmm? Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening. This is a Mississippi Lottery High jackpot alert. The Powerball jackpot is now officially enormous. We're not talking about a tiny jackpot. Like $20 million wouldn't change your life. No, this is an unimaginable fortune. Enough money to own your own jack. Visit a tropical island and buy it. Geez, you could build your own island with this much cash. Play Powerball today and purchase the Power Play feature for an extra dollar to multiply your non-jackpot prizes. That'd be smart. This has been a Mississippi Lottery High jackpot alert. Have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Think of all the comforts your family enjoys around your home. When you include propane appliances throughout your home, you can have even greater comfort from endless hot water to softer clothing and cozier heat on cold winter days. With an all-propane home, you'll also enjoy greater efficiency and energy savings compared to all electric homes. Go to PERC.com and ask why propane. The answer will be clear. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. If recent hailstorms have invited lurk the leak into your home, call the experts at Watkins Construction and Roofing to find out what is lurking in your roof. Our rapid response roof team will be on top of your roof as soon as the next business day with a complimentary, honest assessment of your roof's condition and offer solutions to keep your home and family safe. Say goodbye, lurk the leak. Call Watkins Construction and Roofing today at 601-966-8233 or visit losetheleak.com. What do you have to lose but your leak? In the heart of Mississippi, there's a place built on tradition and memories. Come make yours at the Hideaway at Reeds Estate. A nature retreat nestled amongst the pines is the Hideaway, located near Brookhaven, goes 400 beautiful acres to explore, curated venues, and lodging to host you and your guests. The Hideaway is perfect for corporate events, family gatherings, weddings, and romantic getaways. Book your event with us today at the Hideaway at ReedsHideaway.com. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills, then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Hey, guys. This is Kenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face. But I'm not smiling. No one told me that with AutoTrader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on AutoTrader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. AutoTrader. 
Hey guys, it's football season again, and the College Corner is back to get you geared up for game day. We have significantly increased our inventory, so there is even more to choose from. Still waiting in lines and fighting the big crowds in Starkville and Oxford? Come by, and our staff will have you in and out and on your way. Want to score a touchdown at your next tailgate or homegate party? Then look for us online at collegecornerstore.com or come see us at our Ridgeland store and in Flowood. The College Corner, where it's our job to make your Saturdays great. I just want to say you're welcome. All my Van Morrison fans this morning are going to be really happy that three of his tunes made it into the rotation today. Hadn't been having enough of him in there, I suppose. So there it goes. Uh, hello, Greg. It's good to hear from you today. Bill in Starkville. Is this my Bill in Starkville? Which Bill is this in Starkville? But anyway, um, if he calls back, put him up here. He's wondering about cracks in the Jasmine. If you're already, is he there? Oh, okay. Hey, Bill. Hey, how you doing? How are you doing? Tell me about your jasmine. What which jasmine is this? Uh, Confederate jasmine. Okay, we're still looking at it, and my I have I can at my place I can see some that has got some green on it, and I've got some that's cracked, just like you're talking about. The cracks are probably not going to heal. So the chances, but I'm not, I'm still not going to tell you to go start shearing it down or pruning it or cutting it off yet because I can always be wrong, first of all. And secondly, that's a very resilient plant. It's probably going to come up from the bottom though, not from where it's, not where, not from where the cracks are. It would probably be below that. So I just have to tell you to keep an eye on it and, and I hope it's going to green up at the bottom and it's going to be good. I have a piece of it I'm watching right now. Well, some of the jasmines, you know, three inches in diameter, mm-hmm. and I see cracks toward the ground. Yep. If it's cracked all the way, it, well, if it is cracked all the way to the ground, it's probably not going to recover. Okay. But, and it covers a fence, and I hate to have to get it all off. I understand. Well, that's why I'm saying it. it oh. I wouldn't cut it back yet because it still may come sprouting out from the bottom of that thing. Okay. But I'd be well, surprised. Thank you much. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you. Oops, I did the wrong thing. You fix that. Anyway, say hi to Greg. Hey, Greg. Did your parents ever say to you, you can't do that now, that's for grown-ups? Obviously, that's what a lot of things are built on. Um, I, I, I maintain that, for example, if I don't care if you could drive a car when you're 10, you need something to look forward to for when you're 16 or whatever age it is now to start driving. If if you could vote when you were 10, you probably wouldn't vote the same way you'll vote when you're 18. If it, Just because you could go and pull a lever doesn't mean you can vote. And, and I'm just, I think everybody, everybody needs to have the right to vote when they're 18, okay? I'm part of the world that got that right. It came down from 21. Because, at least in part, because people serve in the military at 18, why shouldn't they be able to vote, Okay. So, but you know that there's those things that your parents told you. In my case, one of them was mascara. Now, I probably should have worn more then because I don't wear any now. <laughs> but meant the makeups, and not necessarily that one, but when we think about what we're putting on our faces, and and I realize it's mostly women, but there are men, for example, particularly in television, but but in other circumstances. We have to realize what we're putting on our faces. 
And I can remember for the first time I felt my mother's makeup and thinking how funny that felt, that she would put that on every day. But back then, it was a it was a heavy pancake, and there was no such thing as sunscreen, and she was a very pale woman, so she needed to have a layer of something between her and the sun, and that's how, that's how she got it. Columbia University's um, Mailman School of Public Health is letting us know that, however, we got a problem here. There are things in these products, there are things in today's makeup, even in today's body products, that are that, that children are much more sensitive to. And for that reason, the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health has published their study to tell you that this is 200 surveys. Now, that's not a lot, but it can be representative. 79% of parents say that their children 12 or younger, that's why I said 10, 12 or younger, use makeup and body products that are marketed to children, but there's no ingredients. Lip gloss, um, you know, uh, face paint, glitter stuff. So when they examined all of them, they found many, many more toxic products inside those materials than you might imagine. So I'm telling you, if you need to if you need a reason to say don't put the makeup on yet, it's not just because you're going to want to do that later and you'll get really tired of it if you have to do it for 40 years or something. You know, you might want to wait until you're a little more grown. But it's also something to keep away from little children, not just because they will eat it, but because they will use it and it will hurt them. Okay? I'm not opposed to glitter. I just everything needs to be in its own little it's its own use, but not so not so much. I don't know, um I, I don't know who's gonna win this game tomorrow. It's, there's questions I can't answer. <laughs> there's many questions I cannot answer. One of the things that has to do though with how these plants adapt to different amounts of photosynthesis, whether it's gonna be how much light or how much dark and how they're gonna react to it, goes directly to something that um I'm just learning really that, to call it this phenotypic plasticity. We understand that the plasticity of anything is its ability to shift and change, and that's what that's what the original word of plastic, original word plastic comes from is that ability to to shift and change. But in this case, it's within their phenotype. And you recall from previous previous time with me, thank you for spending it so very very much. Previous time with me that the the phenotype is actually how the what's going on in the plant that whole business how that how the plant is put together how its parts come together so plasticity is obviously very important but it does depend in many they did a study on C campion and found this out the how the plant has developed over time how it has changed over time if it never has ever been disrupted from that one environment that it's always been in. We're probably only going to find it in that one environment going forward, and we may not find it there because the environment changed. The ones that have managed to find other ways to fling their seeds or to, I don't know, be the person that be, become the olive, you know, whatever the thing is that gets gets taken care of is really interesting stuff to me. I like it. Just a quick note for you that um, you may or may not want to know, but almost all of Africa's maize crop, their corn crop, is in danger of being devoured by fall armyworms. I tell you this because we understand that there's so much problems with wheat in Ukraine um, that that those those markets, whether or not they can plant even, and whether or not they could get out what they did plant last year, has been very very difficult with the war. There's a reason Ukraine has always been known as the breadbasket of Europe, and we here are going to have to pay attention to this and get worried about it and see about things ourselves because 
there's a lot of there's a lot of environmental catastrophe in gardening in farming anyway. And in this particular case, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. I did not know. I had no idea that there was such a thing as the Neolithic Revolution. I apologize to those of you who studied it because I didn't. But the first human societies in the Fertile Crescent, in, in what we call the Near East, of course, um, that that area was where we began cultivating things like wheat and barley, the, the cereal grains. Well, we domesticated animals there, too. So much of how we live and what we eat comes from this cradle of agriculture, you know, the space between the Tigris and the Euphrates. And we have to understand that now that people can study it, how things have changed. And some of it is part of this phenotype stuff. Some of it's part of just adjusting to what the consumer wants and selecting the parts that the consumer wants. And some of it's simply how things grow. And so as a result, we have had many, many different wheat spikes, many different sorts of things up to and including the ones that we grow now. It's pretty interesting stuff. Don't forget now, there's uh, one more thing I want to tell you today because I'm it turns out I'm wearing Martha Stewart's shoes. Um, Martha Stewart is promoting a brand of shoes for people like me who have weird feet. I had no idea, but Snoop Dogg is also promoting those along with Tony Romo in a Super Bowl com- commercial. He's the person that's in two ads. He's also in an ad with Martha and Willie Nelson. Now, come on. Mississippi's going to be well represented tomorrow, folks. You may or may not care about football, but give me a break. Ads and Snoop Dogg. I'll be watching. Stick around, though. There's more to come here with the Handyman Show following me this morning. And guess what? I'll be back next week with more Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of South Communication. Center, First South Farm Credit, JumpstartTestPrep.com, and Toyota of Brookhaven. Welcome, Morgan Wallen Live. Y'all whiskey glasses, y'all sing with me. Sunday night, April 23rd at Vaught Hemingway Stadium at Old Miss. For a sold out We got free tickets to win. And not just any free tickets. We're talking VIP tickets to watch this once-in-a-lifetime concert in the Super Talk Suite at the stadium. We've got them, and we're giving them away. It's Morgan Wallen with special guest Mississippi's own Hardy. Keep listening for more details on how you can win VIP suite seats from Morgan Wallen, live at Old Miss. fun way to win from Super Talk Mississippi. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thick 
weakening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N-Info.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.